0: Central, 2 to 5 p.m. every Sunday, right here on KPFK.
1: To engage in any activity that shall contribute to a lasting understanding
2: between nations and between the
3: individuals of all nations, races, creeds. And colors. To gather and disseminate information on the causes of conflict
4: between any and all of such groups
5: and through any and all means compatible with the purposes of this corporation.
0: To promote the study of political and economic problems
6: and of the causes of religious, philosophical,
7: and racial antagonisms.
6: That is our mission.
4: You're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM Los
8: Angeles. The time now is 6 p.m.
6: Get ready for the revolution. Come on, what you say? Come on. KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles.
1: A jury on Thursday convicts four members of the far-right Proud Boys Militia group, including its former leader Enrique Tarrio of seditious conspiracy, finding they plotted to attack the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, in a failed bid to block Congress from certifying President Joe Biden's election victory. Good evening, I'm Angela Birdsong, and here are today's headlines. Thumbs down over 3,500 windowless units for UCSB student housing. International news from outside the NATO-controlled media sphere. Venezuela hits the news today. The Writers Guild strike continues. Civil rights leader calls on Mayor Bass and LA City Council to name Belafonte Street in Los Angeles, and the community calendar, all this and more. A California appellate court has ruled that e scooter companies must protect pedestrians from improperly and illegally parked scooters. Brought forward by Sarah Hakala after she tripped and fell on an improperly parked Bird scooter along Abbott Kenny Boulevard. Hakala sustained multiple fractures requiring surgery, report the Aragonot newspaper. The initial ruling favored Bird, who contended it was not responsible for the actions of third party riders who parked the scooter improperly. However, the appellate court pointed out that the permit granted to Bird by the City of Los Angeles stated they have a duty to ensure their scooters comply with local parking standards and that staff is available 24 hours a day for emergency scooter removal. The company already has one safeguard against improper parking, requiring riders to photograph the scooter before ending their ride. It is not clear how Bird and other e scooter companies plan to address this ruling. Emily St. John reports that the City of Inglewood Council unanimously approved a relocation plan for the Inglewood Transit Connector Project that would displace 41 small businesses. The relocation plan is part of the design to construct a 1.6-mile people mover to connect riders from the K-Line to the Inglewood Sports and Entertainment District, which includes the Kia Forum, SoFi Stadium, and the upcoming Intuit Dome. 41 businesses, which employ approximately 305 individuals, will need to be relocated. The plan would have called for Vaughn's grocery store to be demolished and rebuilt. However, after the plan drew community complaints, the consultants went back to the proposed builders on the project who assured the city the facility could be moved to the Florence Avenue Market Street station. The project will displace businesses in council districts represented by newly elected District 1 Councilwoman Gloria Gray and Councilman Eloy Morales, who represents District 4. Gray had no opposition to the project and urges the the businesses to work with relocation specialists to find suitable locations. According to the city, relocations are expected to happen over an 18- to 24-month period. The city plans to begin making offers on the promises needed for the project by the end of this year and needs to begin construction in 2024 to meet a 2028 deadline to be In time for the Summer Olympics. Writer rights with streaming services and more. Here is a report from one of our Rebel Alliance
7: contributors. This is Dan McCrory of Working Voices reporting on day three of the Writers Guild strike. The LA Times on Wednesday identified six sticking points in negotiations that may indicate a protracted strike. The 2007-2008 100-day strike cost the state $2.1 billion and an estimated 37,700 jobs, according to research from the Milken Institute. Here, then, are the six areas that could mean a long, ugly strike. Minimum pay. The WGA wants increases of 6%, 5%, and another 5% during the three years of the contract on minimum pay, Writers getting the basic minimum rate, has jumped from 33% 10 years ago to 50% of writers in 2023. The AMPTP, the Alliance for Motion Pictures and Television Producers, counted with offers of 4%, 3%, and 2%. Writers' rooms. Studios want to shrink the number of writers working on a series and the amount of time spent writing, with writers losing a long-standing opportunity to help produce. The WGA has uh, suggested 6 to 12 writers for at least 10 consecutive weeks. Comedy variety writers. The Guild wants to establish minimum pay equity for writers of these shows. The studios want to pay at a day rate, basically turning the positions into gig-type employment. Another pay issue is streaming residuals. Writers have to guess at the revenues for streaming because streaming companies don't like to share their numbers. The WGA wants to open the books and pay residuals based on viewership. AI, artificial intelligence. The studios say the topic is open for discussion, but not for negotiation at this time. Writing features, the WGA is looking for pay equity on streaming, a technology that is fraught with issues that could have long-standing consequences. The Guild would like to see writers with a streaming feature budget of $12 million or more get the same composition, compensation as a theatrical film. The other entertainment industry unions are watching to see how the WGA fares in these negotiations as a bellwether and other pending contract negotiations. We here at KPFK Rebel News and Working Voices Labor Hour, beginning on May 12th, will keep our listeners informed on these and other important issues. This is Dan McCrory.
1: And now here's Marcy Winograd with a report from Santa Barbara.
6: In a sign of hard economic times, four cannabis growers in North Santa Barbara County are walking away from their operations. The glut of cannabis in Santa Barbara has depressed sales. So these growers, who had obtained zoning permit approvals to plant over 100 acres of outdoor cannabis, withdrew their applications for business licenses. The prices for wholesale cannabis flower in California have plunged by half from their peak of $1,400 in 2020 to about $660 per pound now. Some say the state is producing three times as much pot as residents can consume, much of it grown in Santa Barbara County, effectively fueling an underground market where, by most estimates, two-thirds of the sales are taking place. This is depressing local tax collection, with county supervisors scratching their heads to figure out how to generate more revenue from cannabis. Raise the tax. Uh, That's a risk. More cannabis growers might leave the county. For other growers, the recent withdrawals may represent an opportunity. To replace those who walked away this month, two growers already on the eligibility list have been offered an expansion in acreage. In other news, UCSB's The Daily Nexus reports the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office recently delivered an update on its inventory and annual use of military equipment. The Santa Barbara Sheriff's Office maintains a lot of military equipment, including unmanned aerial drones, bomb robots, and armored vehicles, long-range precision rifles, explosives, and chemical agents. California Assembly Bill 481 requires law enforcement agencies obtain approval from their governing bodies before buying military equipment. Signed by Governor Gavin Newsom on September 30, 2021, the law took effect January 1, 2022. Thumbs down on Munger Hall. That's the proposed 3,500 windowless units proposed for UCSB housing. The Associated Students Office of the President conducted a survey last quarter that found over 80% of undergraduates opposed the project. Not only is the Munger Housing Project unpopular on campus, where students and faculty have conducted a die-in to object, but also with the broader community. Those objecting to the windowless housing include Santa Barbara County Sheriff's, Santa Barbara County Fire Department, Santa Barbara County Planning and Development officials. The City of Santa Barbara's Public Works Department, two county supervisors, the UC Santa Barbara Academic Senate, local architects, former UC associate vice chancellors, and lots of campus organizations. Munger Hall, a dense, nine-story structure with over 3,500 student bedrooms, most of which won't have windows, has been subject to national criticism. UCSB's housing crisis and lack of faith in the Munger Hall design ultimately prompted city and county government To sue UCSB. Prior to the Munger Hall project, UCSB spent years developing a different student residence, an apartment complex known as Mesa Verde. That project, however, was abandoned by 2019, with UCSB planning to construct Munger Hall at the site once slated for Mesa Verde. UC Regents have expressed frustration with UCSB's Chancellor Yang over Munger Hall Yang says stay tuned for a new design that could be unveiled as early as this summer. Meanwhile, the Santa Barbara Independent reports the Alice Keck Memorial Garden downtown has a problem. Hundreds of illegally dumped turtles bobbing in the duck pond. The garden, it's beautiful, home to 70 species of trees and plants. A butterfly garden and a koi pond attracts visitors from all over Santa Barbara including pet owners, people who want to get rid of their turtles once the animals are too big big to be considered cute or too grumpy. They might bite. City park officials recently removed 86 turtles, taking them to turtle and tortoise rescue in Arroyo Grande, where temporary turtle guardians may find the turtles a permanent home. These turtles are called red-eared sliders. They're aggressive. They may bite and rip koi fish and other turtles like the western pond turtle that's on the endangered species list. Current plans are to remove another 100 turtles next week, but they're hard to catch. They're elusive, says the city's park manager. The more turtles, the more waste. Four years ago, the park did a complete pond restoration, which involved removing five feet of muck composed of turtle waste and food thrown in by visitors. The pond's water quality back then was horrendous, so the park hopes to avoid the stench and the sewage by rehoming the turtles. Park officials say they'll be keeping a few of the turtles, which have become a favorite for park visitors. And the park plans to reintroduce the koi fish and plants once the water quality improves. In Santa Barbara on Chumash Land, I'm Marcy Winograd for KPFK's Rebel Alliance News. KPFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles.
1: Los Angeles Urban Policy Roundtable President Earl Afari Hutchison last week called on Mayor Bass and the Los Angeles City Council to name a street in L.A. in honor of singer, actor, civil rights icon, Harry Belafonte, for racial justice. Quote, Belafonte was a major present cultural entertainment and civil rights presence in Los Angeles, says Hutchison. Naming a street or public space after him will be a testament to the impact he had on racial progress in L.A. and a continual reminder to Los Angeles residents of the ongoing battle for racial and economic justice in L.A. End of quote. You can hear more uh, from Dr. Hutchison on KPFK for the Earl Afari Hutchison Show weekly on Saturdays, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Here is Pedro Baez with a tribute to the life of Harry Belafonte, as Belafonte is still being remembered and honored by many. Harry
8: Belafonte was more than just a great entertainer. He was an icon. He was a civil rights activist, as well as being an activist for causes that many would have said, no, I'm not going to get involved. He got involved. He got involved with uh, civil rights at a very early age. He was very uh, angry about the way he was treated when he volunteered for service in World War II, being given menial jobs and nothing really beneficial to the betterment of uh, all who were on board ship. He was very vocal when it came to the March on Washington, helping to organize it and bringing in many celebrities from Hollywood. He was also, in his later years, very active in the labor movement. Many of my friends at Local 1199 will remember Harry as a tireless worker, always looking out for workers and always making sure that their interests were not ignored. Harry Belafonte will be fondly remembered as one of the great heroes that America has had. Rest in peace, my brother. You deserve it.
0: The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised.
1: Here is Dan Nauman with some Motown history news.
9: Motown Records, based out of Detroit, Michigan, introduced some of the greatest talent and produced some of the greatest American rhythm and blues, soul, and dance music in the 1960s and 70s. In the 1960s, with Barry Gordy at the helm, it had established what had become known as the Motown Sound. But in the early 70s, popular music was being transformed. Artists and their fans were ready for something new. The economic impacts of the time as well as the civil rights movement and the war in Vietnam had been taking its toll on society and change was in the air. Even the label itself moved from Detroit to Hollywood. Artists such as Diana Ross and Michael Jackson became solo artists who were ready to further explore new dance grooves and expand their audiences. Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder wanted to explore musical fusions and even subject matter that went beyond just romantic love, jealousy, or sex, and they weren't afraid to cover political topics such as ecology and class struggles in the inner cities, and even spirituality. Stevie Wonder also wanted to help create disruptions with new sonic sounds not ever heard before in R&B music. He went to New York City and teamed up with the legendary synthesizer duo and created many classics including the huge hits Superstition and Higher Ground. He recently appeared on the Grammy Awards and performed Higher Ground from the Grammy Award-winning album Inner Visions that he created with the legendary duo and producers 50 years ago. I spoke with Robert Margoloff, who was one of those producers, about how, along with Stevie Wonder, they forever disrupted and changed the sound of R&B, soul, and pop music with the synthesizer technology.
1: People People
10: Robert Margoloff, He's the Grammy Award winning electronic music pioneer who's been affectionately called the godfather of electronica. He's an innovative record producer and engineer, audio expert and film producer. He helped to bring the Moog synthesizer into modern music with Stevie Wonder in the 70s on albums such as Talking Book and his Grammy Award winning album, Intervisions. Along with his collaborator Malcolm Cecil, in 1971 he released the album Zero Time is an electronic duo calling themselves Tano's Expanding Headband, which attracted Stevie Wonder and other leading artists to this emerging electronic music technology. He's worked with Stevie Wonder, Billy Preston, Depeche Mode, Oingo Boingo, Quincy Jones, Jeff Beck, the Isley Brothers, the Doobie Brothers, Joan Baez,
4: Guar, and many more. Uh, I was getting immediate gratification by playing the synthesizer, yes. there was no school, you couldn't go to school or read a book about this is how you use the Moog synthesizer. Exactly. One thing led to another and I found myself at a place called Media Sound and I was the synth guru yeah. and that is where I met Malcolm Cecil. And so then
10: you've created this electronic duo, which you called yourselves
4: Tonto's... Tonto's Expanding Headband. (laughs) Yes, okay. What does Tonto stand for? The Original neo Tambril Orchestra. The interesting thing was that it was many musicians playing one instrument where the programming was interactive. Right. If, like, Stevie was playing a bass line, we would make the entire synthesizer transpose with that bass line. Now, he heard... Your band, did he? Yes, we did. We put out an album. Herbie Mann heard us one night raving away in the studio at night yes. in music and recording in the 70s. It really changed the face of pop music when we brought the synthesizer to to bear on the pop music scene. Malcolm, myself, and Stevie were the first to sort of really genuinely explore it. Our m- music really sort of aimed itself directly at R&B. And that's where you started with working with, with Stevie Wonder. Correct. What happened was we did an album malcolm and i were in the studio late one night we had this big it was a former church media sound was a oh, wow, former cool. church and i had the synthesizer on a big sort of rolling gurney in the studio so it looked very gothic excellent and uh malcolm and i would go in there at night and i say malcolm i'm not even sure what we're doing this music <laughs> okay it was really pretty strange it didn't matter though. well it didn't matter uh herbie mann was in the studio one night heard it. He was a very famous flautist and uh, yes. had a vanity label called Embryo Records. that uh, was distributed by Atlantic. And we put the, he said, you know, here's, here, kid, here's 5,000 bucks. Go ahead and make your record. I'll put it out. Wow. I, I said, Herbie, I'm not sure it's music. He said, I think it's music. And Malcolm says, You just needs a little editing. We'll put it together. We'll make it happen. So we put the album out, and lo and behold, it got this incredible review in Rolling Stone. Wow and steve that was 71 right? 71 yeah and steve heard it and the next thing we know there's a knocking at this door on a sunday yeah at the studio malcolm lived on the third floor in the building next to the front door of the studio and we looked out and there was uh, stevie in the pistachio green jumpsuit <laughs> with his uh, uh, with the guy who who brought him by yeah, yeah. and malcolm's friend fellow bass player ronnie blanco and uh, it started then, and we didn't leave the studio for five years. Wow. And really, what happened is we really were the disruptors of the technology in bringing electronica to pop music.
9: This is Dan Nowman. For Rebel Alliance News on KPFK.
1: The career former fake president of Venezuela was presumed over when he landed in Miami after being run out of Colombia last week for violating its immigration laws. But someone in Washington has apparently found a use for him, as Don DeBar reports.
11: Last week's deportation of the pretender to the presidential palace in Venezuela, Juan Guido, who was appointed president of that country by Trump's National Security Advisor John Bolton, appeared to signal an end of his utility to Washington. However, it appears, in fact, that he still has some value, and he's been busy in Washington demonstrating exactly how much. Camilla Escalante, who covers Latin American affairs for Press TV, among other news outlets, has more. Camilla, thanks for joining us. Um, So fill us in.
5: Okay, well, the United States, uh, through its Office of Foreign Assets Control, which is a you know, what they say is an, a financial intelligence and enforcement agency of the U.S. Treasury Department yeah. is participating once again in the robbery of assets of the Venezuelan people, the Venezuelan yeah. state. They're robbing an entire state company once again, Citgo, a subsidiary of Pedaveza, the state oil company. Uh, of course, the Citgo Corporation has been sanctioned since 2019, and they're handing assets— Uh, Once again, to U.S. allied figures of the Venezuelan opposition associated with the former National Assembly of Venezuela of 2015, this is the National Assembly that was elected um, and took office, but their mandate already ended in 2021. When parliamentary elections were held in Venezuela, and a new set of elected lawmakers took office in January of 2022. So these are no longer officials of the Venezuelan uh, National Assembly, nor are they the people who should have been responsible to begin with, because they're not part of, you know, the Venezuelan executive or the appointed ministers or anything like that. And so... You know, bearing in mind that Guaido is now in Washington, he had fled to Miami last week, as we spoke about last week. Right. And so Venezuelan government says that this is pure and simply organized crime. This is a transnational crime mafia involving Guaido, involving the U.S. government authorities and other figures linked to this opposition cartel. And so we heard not long ago from Vice President Delcy Rodriguez, who said that, the government of the United States is now trying to play victim. They're saying that these decisions regarding the Venezuelan people's assets are actually being made uh, neutrally by the courts in the United States. But in reality, we know how the court and the court justices are being appointed and that there's no real separation of powers or anything like that. Right. And so, you know, Delcy Rodriguez, Vice President of Venezuela, says this should be a message to the world that no assets of any foreign country are safe within the territory of the United States. She says, look at how shamelessly they have robbed 33 million Venezuelans of the state companies.
11: They've already stolen billions and billions from Venezuela, from the people of Venezuela, also from the people of Libya, also from God knows how many other places.
5: Precisely, but she says this one is the robbery of the century. That's what she's calling it. She says that the Venezuelan government is not going to recognize any agreement with creditors where it is not validly directed by the Venezuelan state. None of it has any legitimacy whatsoever. And so the Venezuelan Anti-Blockade Observatory, uh, this is an observatory that was launched probably last year, they're now updating the number of sanctions or unilateral course of measures against Venezuela to 930. That's 930. Totally illegal sanctions have been imposed by the United States on Venezuela. Now incorporating this new mass robbery, so we're on. You know, we're on track to a thousand sanctions. This is one of the most sanctioned countries of the world, and so you know, President Nicolas Maduro spoke on International Workers' Day, on May 1st, this big rally. Uh, with thousands of Chavistas in the streets of Caracas there. And he said that this dis- this decision by Biden's administration constitutes a shameless theft of the Venezuelan nation. And it's a blow to the dialogue process that was going on previously in Mexico between this far-right opposition of Venezuela and the Venezuelan government. And it's also a blow to this meeting that just took place in Bogota that was convened by Petro, where most of the participants of the 20 countries that participated and they, you know, talked about Venezuela and a path towards peace and dialogue, they actually called for the lifting of sanctions against Venezuela by the United States. Most of the countries agreed with that. And they say if they're continuing to, you know, impose additional sanctions and participate in more theft of the nation, then there's no way we're going back to the table because the demand is simply the total lifting of all sanctions, not the continued robbery of sanctions By this
11: mafia cartel. So we had Juan Guaido appointed president by John Bolton, I think, and uh, Mike Pompeo. You know, okay, he he was in Venezuela for a while. Uh, He couldn't go to the pizza parlor or whatever without everyone in the place turning on him. Uh, He wasn't exactly governing. He wasn't residing in the presidential uh, palace or any of these things. Now he flees the country, and he's in Washington signing checks. I mean, I'm wondering why it is that, for example, after uh, Viktor Yanukovych was driven out of Kiev, you know, with with people chasing him to murder him, why he wasn't able to uh, govern and be recognized as the president, because he was, after all, elected president of Ukraine, and Gaido is still uh, transferring Venezuelan assets. (laughs) This is
5: precisely uh, the strangest part of it all, is that you had people like Nancy Pelosi and other uh, top U.S. officials or people within the Biden government that don't even remember who Juan Guaido is when asked by reporters, and yet— Despite that so many people have made fun of him, including the U.S. media, and have said this has been a complete failure or attempt to try to change the government um, and outs the, the the elected government of Nicolas Maduro, uh, that they're now trying to actually revive this figure, it seems. He was received yesterday by uh, Luis Almagro, the secretary general of the OAS. And so it seems that now that he's back in the United States, that they're going to try to use him uh I don't know if they're going to have any luck in trying to insert him as some sort of candidate in the next elections in Venezuela or what they'll do in that sense but they're going to use him to continue this sustained campaign of aggression and imposing sanctions on the country even though so many people including from you know from Republicans from the Senate and Congress have been extremely um, you know, regretful of the of the actions by, uh, like you said, Mike Pompeo, Pompeo and Trump during that administration and even now the continuation of these totally failed policies that, if anything, Venezuela has moved closer now to many of you know, the U.S. adversaries and are looking for a way out and have been recovering steadily for the last two years from this disaster that was completely injected artificially from the exterior.
11: I mean, we're seeing in Cuba, for example, some difficulties with uh, fuel uh, that are consequence not only of the sanctions against Cuba but of the sanctions against Venezuela and Iran. Um, and um, I'm just wondering, what's the buzz? Let's say from from uh, Brazil, for example, where, where you're usually uh, you know situate uh, about this whole sanctions picture, you know at, at this point in time?
5: Well the you know foreign minister of Brazil, Mauro Vieira, just like Celso Amorim, the top advisor to Lula, have said that these are simply not valid sanctions. We don't recognize them, they're illegal. Um, under international law, as well as according to the Brazilian constitution, and that's how many people see it. They are rebuilding relations with Venezuela. Um, actually, the president-elect that most people have already recognized, most presidents around the world of Paraguay, that those elections were held on Sunday, is right. from the ruling conservative party. He is from the right wing, and he won the election, and it was actually his government which, which uh, decided to break relations with Venezuela in 2019 and supposedly recognize Guaido. This newly elected conservative guy says that he's going to be uh, mending relations with Venezuela. People are just so over that Lima cartel period. And so, you know, they're looking for ways to recover these economies. Cuba is looking to China, um, Iran and Russia for help in trying to overcome, mitigate some of the issues that are that are a result of this 60-year-plus campaign of aggression against the country. Obviously, it's going for a, through a very difficult time Time, but I, I have seen the ways in which they're looking for solutions towards sustainable agriculture, towards dealing with the fuel problems and, and everything else. All
11: right, Camilla, thank you so much. We'll speak with you again and perhaps Stephen, too, next week.
5: Thanks for having me.
11: 4K PFK, I'm Don DeBar. This is the King Pin Shaheen from Legendary Infinity 4FCS giving a shout out to KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles y'all out.
1: Take us from Jesus, he'll never let them defeat us They know that they'll never beat us God washed away on my evil Turn me into a believer, you better believe it Put some more time on my meter I cannot wait till we meet them They cannot kill us, stop us or condemn us They want us living like we ain't the winners They keep on trying to tell us They don't ever help us Cause we all a bunch of dirty sinners It
11: go up on my side All this way on my mind Don't you try bring up my past Cause God erased
1: my timeline I'll be fine <laughs> Ready for war, I put it all up on the line too scared to fight, then go let David kill Goliath Walk through the valley, but the Lord is by my side He heard my cry Hold me down, hold me now, hold me, now, hold me-
3: La mia la mia con foglio di chicco e mi be afraid.
1: KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. And now, international news from non-NATO media with Polina Vasilyev.
3: For KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, here are today's international highlights with a special focus on non-NATO media. In a press conference in Caracas, Venezuelan Vice President Delcy Rodriguez announced that the U.S. government has authorized the sale of assets of Cidgo, a subsidiary of Venezuela's flagship oil company PDVSA. The executive vice president recalled that the Office of Foreign Assets Control of the U.S. Treasury issued a license to illegally seize the assets of Cidgo on May 1st. Delcy Rodriguez denounced that with this decision, a U.S. court intends to legislate on Venezuelan assets with an action framed with the intent to take control of Venezuelan resources and to interfere in the internal politics of the country. In this sense, Rodriguez rejected the U.S. decision regarding CIGO and assured that they will not accept negotiations that are not duly led by Venezuela.
12: We are not going to recognize any type of act. It is null and void, and it is also contemplated in Article 6 of the anti blogging Law. We do not recognize foreign jurisdiction We refuse extraterritorial application of laws other than the laws of the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela. And there, the Venezuelan state, all its fully powers, will continue to act in coordination for the defense of a country, which is what the people of Venezuela want.
3: Venezuela's Vice President Delci Rodriguez also said that all countries with assets on U.S. territory are at risk of having those assets illegally appropriated by Washington.
12: No one can have confidence or be at peace. No country can be at ease about having an asset in U.S. soil if they know that overnight. They are going to set up a plot with a criminal organization to take away those assets that do not belong to the U.S. government. They do not belong to the government of the United States. And so, they made up this whole story of a court and they made up the story and they used these estimates of the Venezuelan politics who defraud the Venezuelan people. They used them to carry it out and move forward with the plundering, the theft of our assets.
3: NATO announced its plans to open another liaison office in Tokyo, Japan. RT's Union O'Neill has the details.
13: NATO is reportedly gearing up to open its liaison office in Japan, potentially the first such development in Asia. Denmark is currently responsible for communication between the alliance and Tokyo authorities. Copenhagen's ambassador told local Japanese media he fully supports the expansionist move. It would be a very visible, real way to strengthen the relations between Japan and NATO. Well, there is already a strong NATO presence in the Asian country with U.S. troops stationed there since the end of World War II. Right now, American forces in Japan number around 50,000 personnel, including naval and air force detachments with offensive capabilities. In early 2022, Japan's former PM Shinzo Abe even suggested Tokyo should consider a NATO-style nuclear weapons sharing pact with the U.S. That's as NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg, during his visit to Japan in January, labelled its neighbour China a great threat to stability in the region. China
0: is substantially building up its military forces, including nuclear weapons, bullying its neighbours, and threatening Taiwan, trying to control critical infrastructure and spreading disinformation about NATO and the war in Ukraine.
13: However, not everyone in Japan agrees with their government's stance on strengthening ties between... Uh, the nation on NATO and Washington. People have regularly been taken to the streets to protest against related issues, including a lack of legal accountability for U.S. military personnel there, water contamination from American bases, as well as Tokyo's rising defence spending, which threatens to derail the post-war pacifism uh, policy. Well, we heard from the co-director of International Action Centre Think Tank, Sarah Flounders, who says NATO's courting of Japan is a sign of the U.S. attempting to strengthen its position in East Asia.
2: First of all, NATO is a military alliance, a U.S.-commanded, U.S.-equipped military alliance that exists for war, not for trade, not for diplomacy, not for social progress, for war. Uh, And so this new opening of NATO officially to Japan is one step further, along with bringing uh, nuclear weapons on submarines into Korea and building new bases, U.S. military bases in the Philippines, all this in violation of each country's own constitution and uh, trade agreements. Uh, in violation of the Japanese constitution. Japan is more than doubling its military. Uh, So the arrangement with NATO is just one step in part of a whole series. Really the basis for it is that there are greater levels of trade of Taiwan with China, Japan with China, Korea with China, the Philippines with China, than with the United States. And how will the United States go about breaking that and setting up something more advantageous to corporate power in the U.S.? How will they reverse this? That's why they want to bring in NATO, the military
3: threat. France's top court has rejected the request for a national referendum on the recent two-year increase to the retirement age. Ramin Mazahiri reports from Paris. France's
0: Constitutional Council has ended hopes that a referendum would be held on President Emmanuel Macron's executive decree that unilaterally raised the retirement age by two years. With three out of four French citizens opposing the age hike, Macron's approval rating near all-time lows and four months of massive strikes the referendum was seen as a possible way to quell France's latest democratic crisis. Protesters immediately took to the streets nationwide. Protests raged across the country last month after the council approved Macron's presidential proclamation and the latest decision may mark the end of public confidence in yet another
9: national political institution.
2: Honnêtement, on s- on s'en fout, uh
9: Honestly, we couldn't care less about the Constitutional Council. It's a body composed of people nominated by the government and who benefited from early retirement. So what if they said the age hike is legal? That doesn't mean it is democratically
0: accepted by the people. At the heart of a seemingly never-ending democratic crisis in France and across the European Union is the apparent lack of public influence in policy-making. A national referendum would have been a democratic first for France, and citizen-initiated referendums have long been a primary demand of the yellow vest anti-government movement. Macron is likely to continue telling the country that they must... Protesters insist they can still pressure him into revoking the age hike.
3: The sound
9: of people hitting their frying pans is going to follow Macron and his ministers until the age hike is revoked. We won't give up, even if it takes Macron's next four years.
2: This
4: week
9: saw the
0: largest and most unified May Day protests since 2009, and they were met with police brutality and mass A Huge demonstration, French public isn't willing to concede to Macron's wishes.
3: And that's all in today's international highlights from non NATO media. For KPFK, I'm Paulina Vasilyev.
6: KPFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles.
1: Cloudy conditions will continue for the rest of the day. Wind gusts are up 11 miles per hour here in North Hollywood. Tomorrow's high will be around 62. But when we take a look at the 10-day forecast, we see that next Saturday we will be in 86 degrees. Here is a commentary with activism in action with Shankar Singham of Red Star Report. And Shankar Singham's commentary, he artfully paints the portrait of what a dystopian California could look like using nothing but a pre-normalized American color palette, proving that, like most art, to see the big picture, you often have to take a step back and change your perspective. What if California was like other states?
14: Hello, and thank you for checking out another Activism in Action. Today I have some news from all around California. It seems that red counties in California are under a right-wing onslaught, most likely funded by some deep pockets in the GOP. Let me just go through some of the headlines that have recently appeared in California newspapers. Yolo County in Central California has gutted marriage equality. And decided to allow the county clerk to use his discretion when issuing marriage permits yolo county board of supervisors have voted to have the county clerk deny or approve licenses to same-sex interfaith or interracial couples the clerk has a set of guidelines that they must follow though those guidelines haven't been made to the public as such there hasn't been much pushback yet from sacramento the motion is set to take effect as early as april yolo county has already banned drag shows within the county lines. Cities in Yolo County include Elks Grove, Dunnigan, Clarksburg, and West Sacramento. Further south, San Diego County Commission Land of Management has voted to ban certain immigrants from purchasing land within the county. In a four-to-one vote, immigrants from Mexico, Central America, South America, China, and Iran are now banned from purchasing and owning land in San Diego County. The rule does not apply to citizens and green card holders. The city of Alturas in Modoc County, California, has decided to join 20 other states in banning abortions as early as six weeks. Currently, most states are at the 15 week time period. Altura has decided to make it six weeks. The city is in violation of state law, and if the measure passes vote in the county, the state superior court will surely strike it down. Shasta County has voted to decriminalize cannabis. Unfortunately, The measure failed to get enough votes to pass. So Shasta joins a shrinking list of states that have cannabis listed as a Schedule I drug, as stated by federal courts. The fear of gangs and violence has Shasta County constituents afraid of the decriminalization. If found with less than a gram of cannabis, one is fined $500 and or 30 days in jail. The county has been a base of operations for the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, in its fight against California cannabis farmers. Del Norte County has lowered the working age to 14 years old. Del Norte meatpacking industry in California is in dire needs of employees, and the county feels that the lower age will attract more undocumented families to the county. Families that are undocumented too afraid to enroll their children in school now have a choice to put them to work. Meatpacking jobs pay minimum wage and are constantly in violation of the state's health codes and sanitary requirements. Now, you must be asking, What is happening to our beloved state? What has happened to our freedoms? Why is California moving back in time? Well, folks, it's not. Everything I just reported would never happen in California. But everything I just reported is currently happening in the United States. Tennessee is allowing county clerks to refuse marriage licenses to same-sex interfaith and interracial couples. Tennessee has introduced over a dozen laws targeting the LGBT community. Human rights groups have charged the state of being in violation of international human rights standards. Texas has banned immigrants from purchasing land, specifically from China and Iran. Chinese residents are incensed in Texas then, at the proposal and are currently fighting the measure. Kentucky it's banned drag shows that are close to children. Kentucky currently ranks the 42nd worst state economically. And apparently, this ban would somehow help the state's financial hardship. Oklahoma criminalizes cannabis. The state could generate billions from cannabis sales, as other states are currently doing. But the wonderful people of Oklahoma, in their fears of gangs and violence, have chosen to remain 47th in worse economies just two more states to beat oklahoma and you'll be the king of the worst states economically arkansas lowers the age of the working age to 14 to attract more undocumented families to the state arkansas lawmakers have advanced a bill which would do away with work permits for minors under the age of 16 house bill 1410 would no longer require kids under 16 to proof provide to provide proof of age a description of their work schedule or parental consent to the State Department of Labor and Licensing in order to get a job. And even if the state doesn't do anything with these permits, it still requires that employers see a piece of paper that says the parent says it's okay for the 13-year-old to have this job. And without it, actually, I would say that they're cutting the parents out of the process completely. And of course, Florida is currently voting on a six-week abortion ban after promising its constituents that a 15-week ban would be the final change. It hasn't even been a year, folks, and now they're moving it down to six weeks. These laws are currently in effect or about to be in effect in the United States, with the LGBT community bearing the brunt of these legal attacks. Every week in the United States, groups of white supremacists gather and chant Sieg Heil and amongst other taunts in front of drag shows across the United States. The assault against the LGBT community will never stop from the right wing. The LGBT community is the biggest threat to the right wing. For in that community, the LGBT community, it encompasses all of us. Regardless of race, ethnicity, or religion, the LGBT community is our representative. Taking out the LGBT community would be their greatest victory. It would be a warning beacon to all minorities to keep your head down and obey. This is the holy grail for the white power supremacists. The fact that the U.S. fails to have a zero tolerance policy towards Nazi white supremacists who have murdered thousands of Americans and threatened millions more only shows the U.S.'s true feelings of its roots. It is a sobering fact that the U.S. was born of racism It thrives on war and violence, while subjugating the poor and the weak. And at what point do you break? At what point have you had enough? At what point do you get off your knees and stand with communities that don't represent you against this prejudiced assault? Not because you care of their plight, but because you need to protect your own. If you realize that most of the large problems that afflict the U.S. have no bearing in California, and this is how it's always going to be, I would advise you to rethink your position. As Newsom stated, they're coming after you next. Is this the California you want to live in? For those that think the aforementioned laws would not reach California, you are certainly right in an independent California. That's all I got, back to you.
6: ABFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles.
1: what it is KPFK. I'm Angela Birdsong, and here is your Rebel Alliance News Community Calendar. The Black Hollywood Education and Resource Center presents the 30th annual Sisters Doing It for Themselves short film showcase and virtual film festival celebrating a legacy of sisterhood and excellence. May 19th through to the 21st at the Directors Guild of America, 7920 Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, for the showcase May 22nd to the 31st to join the Virtual Film Festival. For more info, call 323-957-4656 or check out bhrc.org. Join Community Coalition for a three-week pop-up art exhibit exploring the complexities of the housing and homelessness crisis. The South LA is not for sale exhibit runs now to May 20th. Follow Community Coalition on social media at COCO South LA for details on their speaker series, exhibit and festival. NAMI Urban Los Angeles monthly, monthly Speaker Night presents Faith and Mental Health with Reverend Gerald Smith tonight, Thursday, May 4th, 7 p.m., online with Zoom. To register, go to NAMIUrbanLA.org. Black Women for Wellness is hosting a five-week mental health series on May 12th, 17th, 24th, 31st, and June 7th. Also, join BWW's Environmental Justice Team on Wednesday, May 17th, 12 p.m., for their next Tox Talk on Instagram Live about recent cosmetics legislation that governs our products. For information about Black Women for Wellness or to RSVP for these free events, go to BWWLA.org. Calling new shooters to reinforce your basic shooting concepts and intermediate shooters to test your fundamentals and push beyond basic applications with Stephanie for the next Shooters Cypher this Sunday, May 7th. Cypher days are reserved for shooters who have already taken basics of pistol shooting with Stephanie. And they are not for inexperienced persons. For more information, about Cypher Days, or to take the basics of pistol shooting course, email ShooterCypher at gmail.com. Meet Impu Kamut for weekly Kasataishi Shawan sessions on Zoom Tuesdays and Fridays at 8.30 a.m. Saturdays live in Lamert Park, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. For more information, call 213-447-7700. Remember to join KPFK 90.7 FM parking lot movie presentation of Cinco de Mayo, The Battle of Puebla, about the French invasion in Mexico, 1862. This Saturday, May 6th at 645 in KPFK's parking lot, 3729 Cahuenga Boulevard in North Hollywood. This is a free event, and any donations received will support our community radio station. And, of course, the community is invited. Get your green on with Jabril Muhammad of Green Thumb Essentials for a five-week beginner gardening class held on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. Covering everything from basic gardening knowledge to soil prep, compost, pest control, and more. Learn everything you need to know to start to grow your own food and connect with nature. For more info, search Green Thumb Essentials on Eventbrite. Althea Moses Fitness Club, the first Saturday of every month. 9 to 10 a.m. at Edward Vincent Jr. Park in Inglewood in front of the tennis courts. For more information about this Saturday, May 6, call 310-740-1157. 39th anniversary of Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo coming to Los Angeles with two shows only, Saturday, July 15th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, July 16th at 3.30 p.m. at the Industry, Industry Hills Expo Center in the City of Industry. Check out BillPickettRodeo.com for more details. Let's Be Whole program is giving away free bags of organic produce every Wednesday. 12 30 p.m. in Lamert Park Plaza. 49 4395 4395 South Lamert Park in Africa Town. Check out letsbehold.com for details. Join Stop LAPD Spying Coalition community meetings weekly Tuesday nights on Zoom at 6 p.m. Visit stop or facebook for details and remember to check out their program on kpfk morning mix radio insurrection thursdays 8 a.m with hamed khan and volunteers of america los angeles drop-in center for youth ages 16 to 24 for clothing and laundry shower hygiene kits meals snacks mental health services housing referrals employment assistance peer groups tap cards and more monday through friday 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Saturdays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Contact them at 213-282-6618. Or just go to 5344 Crenshaw Boulevard in Los Angeles. Well, I'm Angela Birdsong with more than a Sparrow Productions. You've been listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News. where non-commercial listener-sponsored educational radio. So, you know, let's stay connected to each other in a place where our communities listen together, enjoying the variety of cultural expressions here on KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. Just want to say again, we appreciated your support doing our spring fund drive. And let's continue with the support to continue to build and reimagine what community radio should look like. So remember to go to KPFK.org and click Donate. If you want to become part of our news show or if you have a story idea, just email us at news at KPFK.org. And if you are in one of our signal areas and you have a story from one of those areas like San Diego or or the Inland Empire, send us a a, a note at news at KPFK.org. Thanks to our engineer, Wendell Handy, and all our Rebel Alliance news contributors. Join us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. And remember, let all that you do be done with love. Have a great evening, Los Angeles. Coming up next, American Indian Airwaves.
7: a lot to be thankful for. If you're thankful for the old family vehicle, you can let it help one more time by donating it to the KPFK Vehicle Donation Program.